Hey, welcome back. He's on Fire Podcast, part two. Anybody that joined us from the first hour joining in now, we appreciate it. Hit that thumbs up, uh, share it out, you know, all that fun stuff. We appreciate you guys. But on this hour, we are joined by the one, the only, Blake Murphy from Revenge of the Birds. Blake, uh, I hit you up at like 4.30 my time jumped on so you hop on uh you're the uh, consummate professional and we appreciate you how you been man hey it's been good it's been a pretty quiet off season for arizona it feels like in general throughout the summer after just nothing but drama for probably a good part of the year sometimes it's nice to have a quiet summer then everything hit all at once this week so it's good to finally tell us that we're getting back to you know, the training camp starting, getting back into closer to NBA action. We're seeing baseball get done with its break. Like, it's it's kind of nearing that sports holiday time of year where everything just seems to mesh gloriously together. So uh, right. glad to be on here talking some cards. 100%. And that is what's so exciting. And I just got off vacation going back to work tomorrow, and all these things have happened. We haven't done an episode in six weeks, and we're dropping two tonight, which is awesome because of all the things that have happened. And now I'm finally getting to the point where I can look forward. You know, when it comes to the Arizona Cardinals, you have the Monday night playoff performance and everything that happened kind of previous to it and how we just shit the bed. Kyler scrubs his, his Twitter. Uh, we start hearing rumblings from different things going on inside the organization that everybody was fighting right after the game and all these weird things. And then, you know, Kyme and Cliff get an extension. You're like, this is kind of weird timing, okay? And then we trade for Hollywood Brown on draft night. You're like, okay, you, I can talk myself into this. You know, we already just signed Zach Ertz. Then we bring back Max Williams, who I still think is a very underrated signing. Having both of those tight ends and then drafting Trey McBride, I think is going to pay huge dividends for this team's like we've never seen before for the Arizona Cardinals. And then the rest of the draft is kind of eh, not so exciting. Free agency, not exciting. And then back to doom and gloom with Rodney Hudson, right? Rodney Hudson returns. Kyler Murray gets signed. Then we get a dope helmet today being dropped out of nowhere after the Bears did it this morning. And I'm about ready to berate them on this podcast for not doing that, which I actually kind of like the orange on orange on white, by the way. I do too. But before we get into everything else, what was your initial reaction, Blake, when you saw the that hit your feed, the black on black face mask? Yeah, I think most people, it was just, Pretty much everyone universally felt like not only it was overdue, it was just I haven't seen a helmet that was that liked for a while. Like it was pretty much I didn't see anyone who was like, oh, gosh, this helmet's terrible. Oh, I hate this. Like I saw some of that for the Bears. There was people who liked the Bengals outlook. There's then everyone seems to have kind of gotten a new helmet. But the red mm -hmm. and black is one of the best looks, I would say, in football. Like you think back to like some of these classic like Stanford, Ohio State, Louisville looks. Cardinals being able to feed into some of that. And I think like having the nice little red flex was there. It was nice to see that after all of this time, like we haven't got a new jersey update for a year since the black jerseys that are like their alternates, the color rush mm -hmm. or whatever, debuted. They haven't really had any updates whatsoever, not even like an old school throwback. So to have their first new update in years be like universally well received is really nice. And I thought that that was a great touch that the team did having some of their own star players come and check out the helmet and them affirm it because. At the end of the day, that's kind of what you want to see is that your own team's players are like, oh, hey, nice, versus like being able to be a gen genuinely and authentically excited to play in that helmet. So thought it was at least a great success. It was weird that they dropped it on, you know, Sunday afternoon of all times. But, <laughs> hey, most fans at least are pretty much uh, excited for any sort of new jersey or uniform combination this year for the cards and hopefully in the years to come, we'll see some other type of Jersey formation or at least a Jersey being redone. You're totally nailed it on the head, man. When you said the black and red color combination, especially when it comes to football, I could absolutely see that. I think everybody's at this point has seen the mini helmets where they have the black, but the Cardinal is kind of like outlined in red. And then you yeah. see a black one with the white outline as well too. So something like that, I'd love to see uh, JJ and specs. Did you guys, your initial re reaction. Mine was like, this is dope. I'm excited again. Like I'm excited to talk Cardinals football today. Like, let's go. Were you guys giving the same reaction? Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Jay. Yeah, go. Uh, yeah, dude. Like I was playing a war zone and I look at my phone and I have uh, Arizona Cardinal notifications on my Twitter and stuff. And I just, it just read uh, un uh, un 
unveiled new helmet or whatever. And I was just like, holy shit, because I was just talking shit about the Chicago Bears one. I'm like, God damn it. Like, <laughs> like can't we just get something new, man? <laughs> and and the video was hilarious. I love the reactions and video. stuff. I love the narration. And just seeing J.J. Watt just, whoa, you know. And, uh, dude, like, the helmet is badass, man. And it sucks that we're only going to see it three times this year, and one of those games is during preseason. Oh, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll, I'll take it. But we're trading in the right direction. And, like, seeing this design, a bunch of other designs came in my head. Uh, maybe they made the bird bigger on the side, have more black accents uh, going through it. But I like how they did, like, uh, more of a 3D look on the bird. Yes. Had the red flex as well. Gave it a little bit of a red pearlescent. I think that's going to look great uh, under underneath some stadium lights or just on some Monday Night Football stuff. Uh, but uh, I was very pleased to uh, see that helmet. But I hope eventually we'll be able to swap face masks at least, you know, to, to different colors and stuff just to hit like the little – like if – to have like a yellow face mask or something uh, just to hit like the little hints that are around. I would take uh, that. Yeah. Like just something like that. I, if you Anything know, but gray. Up a bit, you know, <laughs> but I love the helmets, man. Specs, you digged it? Yeah. I actually thought they were really cool designs. I'm not gonna lie. Seeing with like a black on black Jersey, like that would be honestly pretty insane to see. I think, yeah, definitely 10 out of 10 helmets. I thought that was pretty cool. Especially the video. I thought the video was also kind of funny as I well. I thought the video really was just kind of part of it that really kind of nailed it for everybody. And, yeah. and I'm trying to think of like really dope Atlanta Falcons ones. And their best ones are their old school like black on black on white or on black. Or even yeah. gray. Even gray pants. Like after that, like even they've done the black and red wrong. So good on you, Blake. That's a really good call. Um, Blake, are you excited for going into next year now? Hollywood Brown, Kyler Murray locked in. Are, are you excited? Are you past last season's collapse? I think a lot of fans, you kind of have to be because, you know, if you're looking at last year as the peak, then that's really going to be disappointing moving forward for Cardinals fans. I think that there's a lot of assurances, though, that came this week. This guy was contract at some point. Like, this is kind of, I think it was Kellen Olson, I know, for Arizona Sports did a breakdown of the timeline. I've got a, a little bit of stuff I'd heard at least just through the grapevine for the most part as well, which mostly was, you know, in between the season finale and the scrubbing was just lack of communication. Cardinals didn't really like respond at all. That was kind of what led to the scrubbing. Cardinals shot back at the Super Bowl, but it shifted. And whether it was meeting with directly with Mr. Michael Bidwell, whether it was just eventually them realizing, hey, like we can do this and put it together and find a deal that works for both player and for team. I felt like it was definite. Rodney Hudson coming back, I think that was, we can say that that was probably not as definite of a feeling. In fact, it may have felt like it was trending the other way. So right. for that to be able to come back, there's a clarity I think that fans feel where, hey, you're missing Hopkins for six games, tons of question on the defense. You've at least freed up some cap room either to – you know, extend a couple of guys or two, or being able to, if you want to make another, you know, key signing or two, you'll have that capacity to, if you're Arizona. So I think a lot of people see this as at least forward progress. Um, and in some cases, at least you've got stability in a lot of ways locked in uh, because there was a definite, if not, I should say at least maybe likely, but there was a possibility that you look at the Cleveland Browns this past year and look at how they treated with Baker Mayfield in his fourth year. You look at Lamar Jackson, really not yeah, having right anything of head away with the deal. That could have been the case for Kyler. If you go through and have an injury, suddenly the Cardinals are picking like top two, if that's the case, like just to see some of that stability be in place with, you know, when say what you will about the GM, the head coach and the quarterback, they've all done what they're supposed to have done in going out and improving the team. Now, whether they can capitalize and win a Super Bowl, that's a whole other thing entirely. But for now, They've at least done what they're supposed to do, and you want to see that stability at least moving forward versus feeling like things fall apart in a bad sense just because, you know, egos get in the way or you can't cash all of the checks that you were able to cash so far, and it just, all right, we got to move on moving forward. I think that's a win for Arizona fans, especially considering that Kyler is in the process of becoming a bigger and bigger star. Yes, and I kind of wanted to touch on that in a minute. And did you just take a shot? 
Oh boy, that's well, I've, been, that actually, I've been taking. Some yeah, he's sips. been doing that. Yeah, oh, I, 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 I must have missed that. I've been sharing <laughs> stuff on my phone. I've been doing sharing little sips, little sip gently at least for the most part. You know, a little, little uh, nightcap as they say. So, Adam, oh, Adam boy, I, I love that Blake Murphy on He's on Fire podcast. A uh, uh, pound in shots. Not, Let's go. <laughs> he's on fire. Call it He's on Fireball. That's what you're doing. No, he's on hey. Fireball. <laughs> Boom shakalaka. That's a good late night trademark. idea. That's not a bad idea. Absolutely, we're trademark that for our our after dark segment with uh, with JJ. Um, yeah. I completely forgot what I was going with. I was like, "Damn, he he's got a shot." That sounds delicious <laughs> right now. I should have done that. Um, one thing I am worried about is this defense, and then I want to I want to ask JJ and Specs the same thing. Are you worried about? Chandler Jones not being on this roster now and that void not being filled as of yet. Well, yeah, well, I think the third first thing you look at is, you know, who is the last great Cardinals defensive lineman who left the team and how did that turn out for him? How did it turn out for the Cardinals? That being Calais Campbell, the fact that he probably wasn't the best scheme fit here in the three, four and with the four, three is part of why I think he went off and got, you know, his 17 and a half sack season. But it also goes to show that the Cardinals really hadn't found his replacement until J.J. Watt because when you're not able to draft stars or finding some of those places or even just you know, addressing other needs like they had on the offense, it just could be kind of worrisome at least that they're going into this essentially with not necessarily without a plan, but it feels like that they understood that Chandler was going to leave and for one way or another they either weren't going to go up and get one of those top rookie pass rushers, they weren't going to really pay a ton – and in some cases, I think they probably got beat out in the free agent market just for the likes of a Hassan Reddick. Um, I think he's a player that when I saw him walk away a few years ago after his great sacks in the season, I said, and I think it was at least in my home podcast, I wanted to sign him to a long-term deal because I felt like you were going to get enough, or I should say more value for signing him then than you were of just letting him walk and having someone say, all right, go ahead, repeat it, do it again. Or even if you kept him, you could have at least – maybe not come to agreement, but could have franchise tagged him. And instead the Cardinals let him walk to Carolina and then decide to go back and, Oh no, let's go out and try to resign Hassan Reddick. And they end up seeing the Eagles pay more for him. The Cardinals were willing. (laughs) And as a result, you kind of feel like that they were left, maybe not totally in the lurch given their draft picks, but it is definitely a spot of, you feel like that there's not just a weakness at one area of the defense, but like, could be weaknesses at corner. Obviously, the tragic passing of Jeff Gladney is something that you don't anticipate ever. Um, you got weaknesses potentially at corner. You've got questions, obviously, now at inside linebacker with maybe being the most depth you have on the defense and obviously on the defensive line. It feels like that they're at least maybe a piece or two away. Maybe you add a veteran, and if things are going well in season, you could either swing a deal or – I think to the Dwight Freeney uh, situation where he was kind of that missing piece the Cardinals had in 2015. But right now it looks like on paper that it's going to be up to Vance Joseph to have to scheme and especially use those linebackers. And I'm very curious to see what it's going to look like since I feel like the Cardinals had kind of reached that point where with Bill Davis as their defensive coordinator, you kind of wondered, all right, is Bill here like to kind of take over in case they find a reason to kind of, you know, maybe push Vance out or maybe something doesn't go on. You've got a guy that, you know, or is it kind of the reverse where maybe you should have grabbed a new linebackers coach if you're having issues? They clearly saw improvement last year with their wide receivers uh, when David Rye moved back to the college game. And they brought in, uh, I believe, Sean Jefferson. It just was a different type of receiver core. They also had different receivers. And that's where I think the Cardinals at this point, you got to wonder, at least not necessarily what they're doing on defense, but I think that they almost anticipated some of the issues and as a result have gone all in an offense, particularly with the Hollywood Brown trade and drafting of Trey McBride. Blake, I, I got to tell you, bro, I am I am deathly worried about those two inside linebackers and what they're going to be able to do or pull off. Um, I'm not so much worried about losing Chandler Jones because I feel like we were able to replace his production on multiple types of Games, schemes, what have you. Granted, you had a wild and crazy Dennis Gardeck season that I don't know can be duplicated. And you had Reddick. You had Reddick that year too. And then and then we had Reddick, and then they traded for a junkyard dog. So like I'm not I mean, we never did anything while Chandler Jones was here. Is that an indication of how good he is or is not? Absolutely not. Look at our, we had Josh Rosen as a quarterback at at one point, right? So it just didn't work while he was here, unfortunately, as far as, you know, seeing his peak and the Cardinals peak at the same time. 
So I'm not I'm not overly worried about it. And I didn't want to pay that money for what he was going to be worth at this time. But before we get uh, more into that specs, I know you got to leave in about 10 ish minutes or so. So I want to get your thoughts on Chandler Jones leaving the Cardinals. Are you worried about the defense? Uh, Talk to me a little, man. Um, I'm not going to lie. I am a little worried that they lost Chandler Jones. I feel like, yeah, you can get like some of a replacement for him. You have other guys in the defense that can make up for his production. But I think Chandler Jones as a player is really someone that you are not going to replace for a while. Kind of like with Calais Campbell. How it took J.J. Watt, who I think is an all great when it comes to defensive line. Like that was your replacement, which obviously was a good replacement. But for now, I don't see anyone in Arizona being able to be at that level of production for the linebacker position. I, I just really don't. If they could get like someone that could play a spot very well, then I think they'll be fine. But I think their defense as a whole will take a little bit more of a hit because of that. 100% agree. What do you think, JJ? Oh, no, I, I agree, too. I'm definitely worried about uh, the absence of um... – God, I'm, now I'm spacing on his name. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, last name Jones, first name Chandler. Yeah, Chandler Jones. So my, my fault. I just totally spaced out. My fault. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm definitely worried about uh, Chandler Jones not being on the roster uh, this upcoming season. But at that, at the end of the day, it's always a next man up mentality. Uh, I was uh, Marcus Golden started off really strong last season, and then he just sort of dwindled off. And the same thing with Zach Allen. And uh, like we didn't see uh, Zayvon Collins that much too, so a lot of guys need to step up in that regard. And Isaiah Simmons, he had to, you know, uh, plug in, plug out himself in uh, situations where he shouldn't shouldn't have had to, but that was due to injuries and guys not being available and him just doing a little too much. So uh, as long as Vance Joseph can uh, uh, bring his guys together and just you know just play their role and just be the best that they can be. I think this defense will be at least solid, but uh, Blake, I have a question for you. Is there any defensive lineman that you have your, uh, your eyes on? Because I think Jason, uh, Jason Pierre Paul. JPP. uh, Yeah. I think he will be a great addition with this team alongside uh, JJ Watt and at least help with the run defense in a sense, because Jason, uh, uh, Jason Pierre Paul is great uh, when it comes to run defense. Yeah, it feels a lot like it's going to be someone like him would be the case. Like, you know, former defensive pass rusher who gets new life standing next to J.J. Watt. It just seems like it makes a lot of sense. Obviously, the going rate for pass rushers ends up being a little higher than your typical uh, piece. And I think part of it might be the Cardinals being content to wait it out as far as with some of these free agent players. And I think another thing you can also look at would be the um, what you call the Maybe not the tension, but at least like there's the late career, like, you know, Javian Clowney's still unsigned. They're not going to end up going after him, at least for the most part, season. Like it right. doesn't make sense. But you look at like people saw Eddie Goldman get signed with the Falcons. And it's like, oh, why didn't the Cardinals go after him? They pay him this money. They did all this. And he retires like, you know, three weeks later once they start training camp. And you're like, oh, so this is a player who essentially just wanted to play football. And then his body either couldn't hold up or he just changed his mind. And that's really what I think it comes down to is – a combination of not jumping the gun too early. Like I know just a couple weeks ago where people who were bringing up the idea of, okay, go out and sign JC Treader right now. That way, even if Rodney Hudson comes back, you're at least locked in a starting center. Cardinals decided to, you know, hold on a little bit and were able to be rewarded through that aspect of not having to worry about the starting center position. They probably even have a backup now in Justin Pugh that they hadn't really considered before, who might be able to actually take some reps and slide over there as a better backup center. And, Maybe that ends up being the case, but I think as far as when it comes to um, just with where the defensive line position is and with the defense, it just feels a lot like the Cardinals in one way or another didn't make as many moves as people I think were expecting them to compete. Now, whether that's pandemic happened, maybe there's cash issues, maybe they saw that Kyler Murray's contract was coming and they're like, we don't want to sign these guys. We have no money for Kyler, but it really does feel like, and we can talk about the linebackers and areas for all of that, that they probably need at least one more guy. And I say this as someone who is excited to kind of see what Marcus Golden does in that prime bandit role in Vance Joseph's defense this year, where he doesn't really have to play the run or the pass game as much as he was doing. 
Right. I, I'm I'm excited and worried, but when you look at a couple free agents that are still available, I've actually seen Dominican Sue's name brought up more times than I would have thought. I wouldn't think we would go after a guy like that, but I'm seeing more and more tweets where that comes up. Uh, you still got guys like Linval Joseph, JPP that we already mentioned, mentioned Starlo Tulele, uh, Tack McKinley. There are guys you can plug and play for twenty per twenty to twenty five percent of the snaps, which is. At this point, I think we would be happy with it. Could sign a guy that could fill that role for an entire season and maybe for a game or two spot start. I think that's what we're looking at. Linebacker is a different thing. The, the, the problem that I have is that when the strength of your defense is your safeties, that is not a recipe for success, in my opinion. Now, we can have a legitimate argument about having the top safety tandem in the league. And I think that argument could be made. I don't even want to hear about uh, uh, Madden ratings with Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson. Jalen Thompson got robbed. This is a pro Jalen Thompson podcast, as I called him out every single Sunday last year. And I do think we have the best safeties in the league. And then we have Deontay Thompson, who's arguably the best substitute safety. So we have that on lock. And you're not counting Isaiah Simmons in that group, are you? Yeah. Been working out. He can't, right? He there's no way he could be, right? He has to be moved into the slot a little bit, especially with the unfortunate passing and with with losing all these guys on on the edge and in the middle. I think we're going to see more Isaiah Simmons on the edge, or uh, excuse me, Zayvon Collins. Um, your former co-host, the most venerable Johnny Venerable. He uh, he keeps talking about that. He, we might be seeing Zayvon Collins, and that's where he performed the most was on the outside. So I'm curious to see if we're planning to see an Isaiah Simmons or Zayvon Collins or both go outside a little bit more, and that is your replacement. Uh, Simmons and Collins, those are the key cogs that everybody's going to be watching. Our defense, in my opinion, will thrive or be a complete bust based on those two dudes. And I do think, and and let me know if I'm missing a point here, Blake. I do think Vance Joseph is kind of being set up for a scapegoat a little bit here with that defense. What do you think? It really just depends because in one case, I think that Vance is overachieved each year. I mean, you can even look at how statistically he was handed the worst defense. You can say Cliff was handed the worst offense, but last year they were essentially a defense first team that was – shutting teams down, taking the ball away. Cardinals were scoring and then just running the ball away for the most part in the fourth quarter with James Conner where they were, you know, a lot of people forget how those games were pretty close for the most part for a lot of different places. And every once in a while, there would be kind of a spot where the defense would just kind of not be there. Like you would think of the Jaguars yeah. game when it opened, at least and suddenly in the second half, they adjusted to the rookie, rookie QB. Kirk Cousins game. There's been a lot of where Browns it feels, game, yeah. yeah. There's been a lot yeah. where it feels kind of like that the mm-hmm. team, and this is at least the way I've seen it. They're very strong in man-to-man defense. Like they can line up, they can press you, they can blitz when they got all those guys in the line. Like that's kind of their bread and butter. The issue is that when they don't seem to have the horses, or maybe there's something that goes on with Vance Joseph. He seems like he tries to play a lot more zone defense. And this may just be a defensive philosophy across the league, which is, you know, you press to stop yards and you go zone to try to get those turnovers, which are all important for taking the ball away from the uh, offense. And the Cardinals have just given up plenty of in zone. Like it's almost a soft zone. They're not in the quite the right space. How much of that at least is the players themselves? How much is just for one reason or another, it seems like it hasn't worked very well. And, if they're not able to adjust this year, you take a look at that team and go, last year, the reason why the Cardinals' defense really struggled is pretty easy to see. You lost J.J. Watt. You lost Robert Alford. And Jordan Hicks just did not have the speed to keep up in space, or they weren't in the right spot with their linebackers, and teams were able to, by the end of the season, you know, score once their top corners went down. The Seattle game stands out with Isaiah Simmons, I think, having to be a starting outside corner at one point. Some things you just can't put on the D.C., but like you said, as far as a scapegoat, I'll be very curious to see how Arizona responds, particularly if the defense gives off to a bad start because, you know, it feels in a lot of different ways like Vance should not be blamed if the defense is not good. I I agree with that, but I feel like he's being set up for it, and I hope to God I'm wrong because I think I agree with you. He's definitely overachieved considering what he has and the amount of money that this team has put on the offensive side and resources versus the lack of 
on the defensive side. But you could also argue our only first round picks in in, in this uh, uh, Cliff Kingsbury era has been middle linebackers, first round picks. Yeah, and all of them were help now picks. Like Isaiah Simmons was brought in. He was supposed to start and do a lot. And then you see one option ran wrong and they pull him off the field and suddenly all the plans change for the most part. And he was having to learn, you know, all three different positions, at least of the different areas of the field. And it still feels like then the last year with Zavin, like they were like, hey, we need to upgrade this spot. It's a weakness on our defense. They were not able to see that same ability, unfortunately. It feels like that the Cardinals front office and the Cardinals coaches have just not quite been on the same page as far as either with players or development or time. Some of it is because of this constant win now mentality. You don't really get to develop a player to have them sit back for a year. You're not really a team that's skilled enough where you're like, hey, we've got a Chris Johnson. We can bring David Johnson along slowly and up. Chris goes down. Well, David's already good to go. We've got him worked into it. We're ready to roll. They have not really had the type of ability to do that because they've been constantly just trying to kind of prove themselves to get this deal. But then again, you can say they maybe haven't had the players either. And for my money, I think Vance, if you look at last year and say Cardinals go into the season with Byron Murphy, who's a slot corner, a rookie in Marco Wilson, who wasn't even supposed to start, but he beats out Malcolm Butler, who's just, you know, legs are turned to toast in that press man scheme. He just needs to be his own corner. And Robert Alford at 32 years old, who was basically a joke for fans at the time, suddenly comes out and is the best corner they have on their team. Like he was probably, you know, like Gandalf or something like that, like stopping this big giant demon monster was what it feels like the fans <laughs> Joseph was doing, considering what he had to work with with those corners. I think that you need to give him this year and then be able to look at it. The hard part is like they're going to have to reinvest in the offensive line next year. They spent a bunch mm. of money to Kyler Murray. They've got the defensive line to have to worry about. This is J.J. Watts last year. It really feels like the Cardinals are kind of reaching this point where you don't want them to be so overloaded on one side of the ball that you have to you know, hit on two third-round picks in order to just generate a pass rush. And that's the thing that I think concerns me the most is that you just end up starting to see the Cardinals – bleed enough on the defensive side then all of a sudden they're giving up a lead and we've seen how when Kyler Murray and the team is down having to scrape back for a lead Cliff's offense has just not been able to pull through or perform yet we'll need to see some changes there this season because I think they're going to be in quite a few shootouts this year I I completely agree especially playing the AFC West Spex I know you got to get out of here in a minute dude but tell me real quick how excited or relieved were you to hear about Kyler Murray and are you excited to see this offense next year um i was a little 50 50 on kyler murray because i mean obviously i think you had no choice but to re-sign him i mean i don't think you're gonna fight a replacement right away and it's not like he's a bad quarterback he's definitely a good quarterback that's not what i'm saying but it's just that the cardinals haven't done anything in the past couple years for me to be like oh give kyler murray that type of money but then again it goes back to my well not not kyle's a player but I'm saying the don't start with me I mean, what have y'all done playoff wise these past couple seasons? But man, I mean, we haven't done, done in recent years. <laughs> hey, hey, we, hey! That's why I talk basketball, okay? That's we 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 haven't done anything since they moved to the valley with with a, a few spot things yeah. here or there, similar to the Diamondbacks. I mean, showing improvement from three wins to six wins to but eight he's wins been, he's to been a bright eleven spot. wins. Say, yeah, he's definitely been a bright spot for the Cardinals, and I'm not doubting that. But um, I mean. Yeah, who doesn't I think love I, watching Kyler Murray in that beautiful Dallas Stadium, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh man, but yeah, I gotta go, guys. Uh, thank you guys for having me on, and um, I'll talk to you guys later. Later, uh, Specs. Adios. <laughs> this guy, we love him, but that guy. Um, speaking <laughs> Look, of, Kyler I just gotta Murray. say, with Dak, with Dak Prescott, you know, with Kyler Murray, it's interesting. You can reverse what Deshaun Watson did and switch it around. His career looks pretty similar to Kyler Murray's, but. They obviously had the AFC South they were playing in, and Cowboys, of course, have had the uh, NFC East, which, of course, has been probably, what was it, was it eight and eight or something, won it like a couple years ago? Something yep. just absolutely ridiculous as far as yep, they had Washington, two playoff right? teams in. Gosh, yeah. I, I'll never forget that was the, the toughest quarterback, it seemed like, for Tom Brady that year, <laughs> was little Taylor Heineke, at least, because I think they just didn't game plan for him or know how to game plan him <laughs> for him, and that's how he got his next ring. And here we are running through an absolute gauntlet this year, which I don't want to mm-hmm. get into the to schedules and bringing that up quite yet. We'll we'll save that for another few weeks or when we really it get may into be the, the first. It may be the toughest schedule in the NFL outside of like Seattle. Now even I mean, Seattle's this, playing 
the fourth best team in each of those like divisions. So like, but they're Seattle and without Russell Wilson. So Arizona is going to have the second hardest team for each of those. It's going to be a, it's going to be a bit of a slog, especially that late, uh, late finish. I think was going to be tough too. Well, late finish. That's all. That's, that's Blake. I'm glad you brought that up. That's the only thing I care about this year is finishing. You know, I honestly, if we can be three and three, by the time Hop gets back, I think we're in a good position. I don't know if I want to start 6-0, again, and then, oh, no, here comes a loss. Oh, no, here comes two, right? I don't want to be in that position. In fact, I would rather be 3-3, three and three, be like, all right, we need to get our shit together. Let, let's go out and get a good win in week seven. Now you're four and three, five and three, maybe five and four, and then all of a sudden you kind of go on a run of three or four games there, and you start hitting your stride. I would much. I think everybody would rather see that season. Obviously, you want to hit your stride at the end, but three and three without Hop. Do you think I, I didn't want to get into schedule stuff? But here we are. Do you think that's feasible? Considering we got like the Chiefs week one, and and I can pull it up in a second here. But it, it's a gauntlet the first three weeks. It's going to be really interesting to see what teams do, especially with how Kingsbury is mid-off season adjustments. Like you look at how through the first six weeks, it felt like that his ability to game plan and attack defenses. And the Cardinals' exactly. pass rush were both super strong. Now, obviously, that was with DeAndre Hopkins in the game that I think I point to as being probably one of the toughest. It was obviously there's the Minnesota Vikings game where you see some clutch plays and throws, like people just weren't playing defense well in that game. Cardinals probably win that if it wasn't for that Murray pick six underneath with Nick Vigil picking that off. That was just a rough thing with them turning it over, coming out of the gauntlet. Uh, I should say out of halftime. Um, man. You really feel like the hinge game in that regard, I think at least, is week two against the Raiders because yes, Andy Reid has been like with time to prep has been just almost unstoppable. Now there's no Tyree Kill, so you got Juju, a rookie, and Travis Kelsey, of course. You got no Hopkins on your side. That's one of those games where you know you're even home. if you say that it's a coin flip and you're at home, you're still going against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, like you're still talking about that. The biggest thing is with the Rams, you know, you think of the Rams last year, Sean McVay is going to point at how they lost to the Cardinals coming out of it early. Is there some Super Bowl hangover? Like, there's a lot of questions I think the Rams have on the offensive line. You don't know if Allen Robinson's going to be healthy, at least, because he was pretty banged up last year. Is it just going to be double Cooper Cup and pray is it going to be <laughs> that, you know, Odo Beckham Jr. comes back later in the season? That hinge game to me is Vegas because – They've got a new scene with Josh McDaniel that's going to involve a lot of running back, uh, taking the ball, a lot of those checkdowns, being able to get Devontae Adams into different isolation routes, being able to have a lot of that more Patriot style of offense that you're bringing with Derek Carr with the idea of obviously it, if you're going to mimic the Tom Brady style, trying not to take a whole lot of hits. One of the things that Derek Carr at least has shown in the past is that he can be pretty reticent to take a hit, but unlike Kyler Murray and protecting himself, he'll kind of just – toss or throw the ball away, whereas Kyler will just trust his legs a bit much, at least. So yep. to me, that's a game that's on the road. It's a hinge game. If you're able to start one and one, it doesn't really matter which of those games it is. I think Cardinals fans can at least check it up as a win. If you're in that game and you end up dropping it, whether it's close or a blowout or anything like that, and happen to fall down to 0-2, that's going to make it really hard because the Super Bowl champs are going to be the team that you're going to go and have at home that next week. You could see the fan base tune out if you lose that game, and then suddenly you're looking at an 0-3 start. I guess the Carolina Panthers team, quarterback by most likely Baker Mayfield, and this is, you know, we say the, the problems different teams have that are quirky. Cliff has never beaten a blue cat team. They've never beaten the Lions. Never beaten the Panthers. Never beaten so, Matt Rule in college either. Never beaten Matt Rule in college. So now, obviously, you can't ever anticipate that you're going to have the one game that both Christian McCaffrey and Cam Newton are like fully healthy. <laughs> and Colt McCoy happens to be your quarterback, so you're just not going to be able to get and a it's, lead. And it's the one game he that. looked the absolute worst in, too. Well, yeah, they were not able to get a lead, and Colt, you're not able to catch up with him. And tried to force a couple of throws, took a couple extra sacks. Son Reddick was out for blood. Obviously, it's one of the spots of like you talk about with Hopkins. The biggest thing is three and three is the goal. I wonder, could you get to two and four and then win games that you're not expected to win down the stretch because your offense, right. your weapons, and your healthy offensive line, which we can talk about, I think, here, because that's probably the most exciting selling point for the Cardinals this year is going to be that offense and the potential of what it could look like. Something we haven't really seen since Kyler Murray was arguably in college and having a legit deep threat and depth at pretty much every position. 
Yep. And we, and we get screwed again. Um, last year in the new format of playing 17 games, we get eight games at home, nine away. And here we are this year. We get nine games at home. No, 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 we don't. We get eight games at home, eight games away, and one game in Mexico City. And that is Monday night against San Francisco. Um, I'm already chalking that one, on honestly, up to a loss. That's going to be an L. But then you could talk me into beating New England. Absolutely. You can talk me into going into Denver. You, we don't know how they're going to be playing at that point. You could talk It'll to be me. Cold. Up, that is the one thing. It, it will, like, it will, be, it will be cold. Game. Sure, that's fine. Bring it. Now tell me if James Conner is healthy for that game because we've seen with some of the injury areas or issues, like that's going to be something it, I think it, will hinge a lot for that because I think Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, it's a tough feat. And we've seen Vance has really not been able to stop the rush truly. Now, granted, Cardinals have built a team that wants to take the ball away, stop you on third and fourth down, and then just lets you kind of take your runs for the most part, knowing that, hey, like we'll let you go as long as you're not dicing us up in the passing game. We're good now, obviously. They got diced up in the past game after a while, and that's kind of when things went downhill quite a bit. But early in the season, you're like, oh, these teams are running the ball. Doesn't matter. Arizona's still walking away with a 14-point win at the end of the day, at least with how that offense was functioning. And hopefully they can carry some more diversity with that offense into this year. Hey, people thought we were going to get shellacked by Tennessee week one last week last year going right. into Tennessee. So anything can happen in week one. Remember the uh, – didn't the – the Packers lost like 48 to three or some ridiculous week one thing. And then they came back and won you oh, know, yeah, six in a row, whatever Saints, it was. Right? Yes. Against the saints. That's, yeah. that's correct. That was anything can happen. Anything can happen. Um, let's talk about this offense real quick. We're going to go for another 10 to 15 minutes or so. And then we'll, we'll get out of here. This offense, let's talk about when we're firing on all cylinders. So with D hop and hopefully that suspension goes from six to four games. That would be incredible. But Hop, uh, A.J. Green, who I actually like coming back, Rondale Moore, Hollywood Brown, Zach Ertz, Trey McBride, uh, Max Williams, James Conner, Daryl Williams, Eno Benjamin, Rodney Hudson's back. We have, I think, Will Hernandez is going to step up having his old UTEP coach as our offensive line coach. I think it's going to help him step up. I think we're going to see a little bit of resurgence out of DJ Humphreys. Justin Pugh, if he's healthy, which by all accounts everybody think he is, he could have a, a little bit better of a season next year. You're talking about arguably the best offense Arizona's ever seen throughout a whole season. We have more weapons than we ever had before. Can this be the year Kyler breaks through and get 40 touchdowns, 42 touchdowns, 44? Can, can he do that this year, Blake? And can he lead this team this year? I think the biggest thing you have to look at, obviously, is going to be what does the first six weeks look like, and then how does Cliff adjust, or what does the offense at least change to when Hopkins comes back? Because right now, the thing that baffled most people was you could tell the Cardinals were maybe looking at a uh, – I think the name that most people had popped up with was um, – it was Jurgens at least for most of them. Not quite the hand lotion, at least, but the, the center, at least, that they had for most of them. It wasn't Carl. Uh, but anyway, the Cardinals were looking – at a center and so you know that leads into the rodney hudson discussion um did the fact that the cardinals were you know looking at a center in the draft be what kind of made rodney hudson stay away with uh while they're maybe flirting a bit with cam jurgens or were they looking at cam jurgens because rodney hudson was going to be potentially you know looking at retirement i had always thought it was going to be you know the latter like they're trying to fill the spot maybe it was a little bit of the former and they had to work some things out but the biggest one, at least overall, is it feels like the Cardinals are telling you what they want to be this year. And that's where I think that they want to be more of this 11 personnel team or a team that can get into 12 personnel and run the football, which is something that we've seen from them before. We saw them in 2019 with Max Williams when they were able to run the football effectively. Mm -hmm. um, we saw that was one of the things people said, oh, Cliff can adapt. They can change a bit. We saw through 2020 that they went from a rushing attack to a very efficient rushing attack that was able to actually start connecting on some of those deep throws. Like they had a couple deep passes to Isabella Hopkins was able to get involved and the run game obviously was great, but then it seemed like teams figured out that defense a little bit. Now last year, I think it was the same type of thing. Tons of go routes or alerts where, Hey, we got AJ green on this five, nine corner one-on-one -on -one. it's third and one we can just toss the ball up to AJ for a nice big completion because he's going to beat that guy. And Kyler is money on those deep throws. 
But when teams started expecting some of that and there was no Hopkins to bail them out, similar to the end of the Niners game last year against Trey Lance, where Kyler makes a play, runs away, heaves the ball up. He knows that Hopkins is going to be right in the perfect spot. They struggled a lot. And I think that being able to, what Steve Kime talked about, hiding their offense, being able to have these kind of tight end looks, and then suddenly, oh, hey, look, they're in this close to 10 personnel. Look, you got two tight ends out. There's both receivers now. Rondale slides to the outside. Suddenly you can run a four verts concept or run exactly what you wanted to run of, you know, a heavy up the middle power run. I think that what we want to see what the Cardinals do is try to look at all of these different types of formations and changes and keep that air raid that's been very efficient for Kyler intact, but make sure that there's actually weapons that can support him and be able to have it where the defense isn't able to just force right. them into third and long. We know that we're going to get you're going to have to throw the ball. We can rush for it. You we know you're not going to throw it to the tight end over the middle. You're going to be trying to hit to the outsides and Kyler's having to run around, make a couple of plays at least cuz they know what the Cardinals are going to do. I think the key to unlocking the offense this year is going to be can the Cardinals be able to bring in some more of these modern looks even if it's putting him under center uh to be able to whether it's kind of designing a few bootlegs, making sure there's a little bit more um, runs that the defense is going to look for. I don't think you need to run to more of like this Rams outside zone bootleg. Like I don't Kyle Shanahan type thing. You don't need to do that. But I think being able to flesh that out so that way the defense has to account for it, and being able to have a little bit more of this. You know, hey Hopkins is on this side, Hollywood's on this side. You got Rondale on the slot, Zacherts is over here, and you don't know whether they're going to run or pass it because they could do both. I think that's something that's been missing from the Cardinals offense as also what we've also seen missing is they've really not had this full plethora of speedy um, guys who are able to kind of separate and get open like AJ green end of his career. He's a guy that doesn't get open, but he will out jump you. Or uh, if you can get him to come back to the ball, which he struggled with at times last year, but did great on a deep ball against the Jaguars game came back for it. At least is able to box the player out. You're going to be good to go. And that's where I think that the Cardinals, what we haven't seen for the most part, is this type of guy who's just wide open, like running down the middle of the field or on the outside. Really not seen that yet. We've seen Christian Kirk at times in 2019 or 2020 do that. We've seen at times on what was called the slot fade, which is pretty much one of the easiest yeah. like deep throws ever because, hey, look, it's Christian Kirk and a linebacker. The safety is going to have to come over. We just run him this way, and he's going to be open. We've got Kyler for that. If you're tossing those to Rondale more, but now instead you could be throwing those to Hollywood and then just give a swing pass to Rondale and he gets six or seven yards, I think that they finally have reached the point where there's enough weapons that once Hopkins comes back, it's going to be very difficult to stop this offense. I think back to how the Bengals had Jamar Chase was in a specified role, T. Higgins being good all around, and Tyler Boyd in the slot. Yes, You knew that Uzama could catch those passes, and Joe Mixon was able to be similar to a James Conner, catching passes or running guys over. I think that's what the Cardinals have finally been able to achieve. It's a bit of a bummer because I think they got there probably a season later than we wanted them to. But the, all the same, for the most part, it really is going to be interesting to see how Hollywood breaks open the offense because I think he and Kyler are a much better fit than a lot of people have said. And people, I think, are writing off how much better Hollywood may look, even if the stats aren't there for what we expect, like a 1,300-yard season, the impact could be. And I think having Hollywood there, if, if things kind of turn sour, I think it makes it easier for Kyler Murray to – kind of hop back onto that train, right? Anytime anytime you have a bad day at work and you come back in the next day and you're and your friends there and you're cracking jokes, that makes everything a lot easier. I don't think people think about that as well. Um JJ, I'm sorry, we haven't heard from you for a minute. Talk about this offense for you considering all the all the shit that we talked on them last year. Are, are you still as excited about this? Are you more excited? Where do you stand? Yeah, of course I am. Uh, when we acquired Hollywood Brown the night of uh, Game Six, when the Suns uh, uh, closed out the Pelicans, that, that was just an overall great night. I was like, man, Hollywood Brown back with uh, probably uh, uh, one uh, top ten uh, quarterback in the league. I think Kyler, uh, Kyler, and the system that's going on in Arizona is a lot better than what Lamar had in Baltimore and stuff. It's more, uh, you know, a uh, pass first and we'll talk about running later. So I think Hollywood Brown just in general will fit in this system and scheme a lot more. And then this uh, deepens the offense a bag a bit just uh, for uh, the, the offense alone. Uh, 
Andy Isabella might have a, a redemption year. And then plus now we have our dark horse wide receiver that filled in for Hopkins, uh, Antoine Wesley, that showed that he, uh, he has the hands and the, the route running capability to uh, 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 get those uh, big gains. Uh, it's just some random spurts in the game uh, uh, during uh, the game and stuff. And, and I hope uh, Cliff learned that having Rondell in the slot running horizontally down the line of scrimmage isn't helping it, anybody. And Rondell, he knows how to get open, yep. and he has the hands and the capability to, uh, you know, just outrun corners. So I think our offensive bag going into the season is very deep, and I and there's no reason why we can't uh, bring that out in full uh, fruition, considering what Joe Burrow and Cincinnati – uh, were able to do uh, this past season, only having uh, t- uh, two to three receivers healthy just in general, but having uh, uh, having Jamar Chase practically the whole season and then having the consistency of Joe Mixon and doing what he was able to do. And the J- Joe Burrow knowing where, where he was on the field uh, always and he knew how to take a hit. He knew when to go down yes. and, and he knows where his receivers are all the time. And I think Kyler's starting to find a stride within that uh but uh i know kyler wants to use his legs as a luxury but like that that's what makes him great that makes him practically untouchable so i know he wants to be pass first but if you have the arsenal like you know kill your opponent and just move on and hopefully you leave unscathed but i think i'm not worried about our offense uh in, in general but i just hope uh cliff uh changes some things around especially when d hop comes back uh i think you know, D Hop being the decoy, a, uh, AJ Green being uh, just kind of like um, our secret weapon, and then Hollywood Brown just oh, uh, like th- there's another guy that we have to watch out for. So well, when you have all those guys going on, especially with our deep tight end uh, room, like it's going to be very hard to penetrate this offense just from a defensive standpoint. And I'm looking at the Rams because they don't have Von Miller anymore, and then they're missing a couple pieces, uh, and uh, uh, and then with the Chiefs too, their defense was pretty whack last year too, and they really haven't made adjustments uh, this off season too. So going into Week One, I I feel like we have a slight advantage on the offensive end and especially on the defensive end. So I think uh, going into the season, I'm feeling pretty confident at least from the offensive standpoint. But uh, only time will tell, especially with this DeAndre Hopkins stuff, and hopefully his uh, suspension gets decreased a bit. So that that that's what we need. And and last point before I head out here. The fact that we were able to re-sign Kyler Murray, in my opinion, just like Devin Booker, just like DeAndre Ayton, I think is the biggest win for us. The fact that we have, Blake said it earlier, the fact that we have the stability that we have in both franchises, from GM to coach to star players to a couple high-tiered players right underneath them in a uh, Buda Baker and D-Hop, I think speaks volume to where this franchise is is how it's evolved how it's continuing to evolve and if you look at the rest of the nfc like you can make in the the nfc east you can make an argument for the eagles but they haven't proven anything yet right washington new york giants they they have loads loads of of uh whatever to overcome dallas cowboys you could Talk me into potentially, you know, being a good team over the next three to five years, but I don't think they're going to be that team. You look at the NFC North, Detroit, Chicago, Minnesota. None of those teams scare anybody long term. Green Bay, who who knows how long Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to do what he does, especially without Devontae Adams, right? Mm-hmm. NFC South, New Orleans, Atlanta, Carolina. Y- y- maybe at, maybe Carolina's building a little something there. Sure, if if everything's firing on all cylinders and. CMC doesn't get hurt, which he always does. He's like uh, Anthony Davis out there. Tampa Bay, okay, once Tom Brady goes out, what are you going to have? I mean, can you duplicate that again this year? That's going to be hard to do, especially with a guy like Leonard Fournette, who is very up and down. You don't know what you're going to get. You'd like to think at some point Father Time's going to take Tom Brady. Like It's just inevitable, but he keeps defying laws. And then in the NFC West, Seattle, nowhere. Who knows where they're going to go? San Francisco, all dependent on Trey Lance. Now Jimmy G is on the trading block. Interesting, right? Interesting that that just happened, by the way. Very interesting. And then you got the Rams. How long is Matt Stafford going to go out? You know, he didn't get injured last year like he usually does. He usually tweaks a 
hammy breaks a finger, does, you know, something to his wrist or whatever to make him not as good as he usually is. So is last season the outlier? You know, is he going to be getting hurt again? Are are they legitimately going to have some sort of Super Bowl hangover? Um, I love this player, and he's the only Seattle player that I like for the longest time. Middle linebacker went to the Rams. Anybody got the name? I'm blanking. Are you talking about Wagner? Bobby Wagner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blake, you were, you were muted there. Bobby Wagner. Yeah. So Bobby Wagner going there, I think is going to be huge. I think it's going to be bigger than uh, Von Miller. Personally, I think he's just that better of a player. Von Miller just did some cool shit on the outside, which they didn't have. But I think that's very underrated. But, you know, their defensive backs were, were questionable, but they didn't win it because of defense. They won it because of offense and Cooper Cup and all that fun stuff. So you look at the NFC. And you look at our stability to the rest of the teams and the longevity and the cap space. Blake, yes, we do have to re uh, reconfigure and re-sign a bunch of guys and retool the offensive line, the defense, and all that. But that cap is wide open. And I personally think Kime has done a great job of keeping that cap flexibility when the new TV deal is going to hit we are going to have boatloads of money to be able to go after players. Hopefully in, I mean, in theory, I think that's what they're saving up for. And I think it just opens up a lot of possibilities. Unfortunately, we don't have any depth. If our guys go down yet again, because of lack of drafting, they kind of do an offense at least this year. Like it was almost like they injury proof their offense and, and like year. the like... skill, skill <laughs> positions at least. Right. 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 And even still, like you can say they could get by, with the oh yeah, it's a good good part at least from Joe at least for that. That's been one of their weak spots at least. If he's got stuff that can help with coverage for sure, one of their um, spots that they've at least been able to cover for has been if one player goes down in the O line, they've been pretty set. You got Josh Jones as your swing tackle seems to be lined up this year. Yeah, I'm gonna assume at least that the guy that was coached up at UTEP by the Cardinals D, uh, offensive line coach Sean Kugler. I'm going to assume that he's going to come in and get renewed life. We've seen plenty of Cardinals players on these one-year deals. You get a guy on the staff who brings them in and they have new life. Like Cardinals running backs coach at least, I believe. Um was like, "Hey, bring in James Conner." Boom. Ends up like having like 17 touchdown season. You're like, "All right, this is great." I think that's going to be the spot. They'll be able to have that as a starter. You can bring in obviously Justin Murray as a backup. Um you're going to be able to have at least some cap- capabilities obviously we saw with jones and with murray i think being able to play and if they need to slide someone over for hudson for a game or two you know maybe justin Pugh is able to try that out right. for a week and they can just i think the issue is we saw sometimes last year they were having two players that would go out like they didn't have justin murray for a lot of the yeah. season and then you would see rodney hudson goes out you end up having issues with kelvin beecham uh, yeah, it was Saxon's the running backs coach, at least that they had. He was part of what we said. Well, they're going to go after Le'Veon Bell or James Conner. I said I'd rather them go after James Conner for obvious reasons. So uh, it's great, I think, to be able to see overall what the Cardinals have at least done on the offensive side. It's a bummer that they have kind of hit their wall, I think, on the defensive side, especially since a lot of their guys right now, unless they keep a Hudson, or I should say at least for next year, unless they keep Humphreys and Jalen Thompson resigned. They could go in with tons of cap room next year, but needing to fill a lot more places and positions. And it's not like that they've been trading back or accumulating draft picks or even had players that they've, you know, been able to trade. They're gonna get a third and a fifth essentially for Christian yeah. Kirk and Chandler Jones. And you can hope that Rondale Moore can fill that spot and be healthy. And otherwise, it's really gonna come down to Hollywood. And speaking of Hollywood, one thing that I think is really interesting as far as for why I felt like that a lot of people have Maybe not underrated him, but Hollywood Brown had like the third most targets in Ravens history last year. It was top 10 targets in the NFL last season. Like he was their number one receiver. And yet, as far as for how he was used as a deep receiver, though, this is a run first Ravens offense that just Mm -hmm. loves play action and throwing Mm -hmm. to their tight ends. There was only 37% of his deep targets last year were catchable. So imagine that six out of his 10 throws were over his head. Now, obviously uncatchable. There's a lot of those deep passes won't hit, but you take 37% and shift it to say 60%. Now six out of 10 are catchable. 
suddenly that means you're going to be looking at probably a huge number of these yards that have just been lying on the field because of these uncatchable balls. And Kyler was the best deep thrower, at least in 20 plus yards for the most part. So now you're like, all right, let's get this guy back with his best friend. It almost feels like it's a match made in heaven that hopefully can sustain the Cardinals for at least the first few weeks. And I don't know if you're going to get 2000 yard receivers because I just feel like they're going to give too many targets to Ertz, too many targets even to A.J. Green. Rondell Moore obviously is going to be in maybe the Cardinals running back two role for all that we know at least is, <laughs> uh, as far as at least pass catching. Like they may just have James and Eno get some rotations there and Rondale gets a whole lot of those little targets, at least Debo Samuel style. Like we'll see what happens as far as in camp. But I, I feel like that's one of the areas that people haven't been talking about enough because the Cardinals have faded down the stretch. We haven't realized that this could be kind of a key that unlocks the offense by suddenly you're having to defend Hollywood Brown deep, short, intermediate, Hopkins deep, short, intermediate. They got Rondell Moore in, in the middle, but suddenly if you can start to unlock some of that downfield avenues, and then even if you cover all that perfectly, you're still going to have to deal with either the run game or Zach Ertz or Kyler Murray's legs. It really feels like that the Cardinals have built that offense well. And I think Marquise Brown may be the key. And if he goes down, as long as Rondale Moore can step into that role just enough to give him that deep threat, I think that Arizona at least could be primed for having one of their best offensive seasons in recent memory. And I want to say one thing regarding the Rams. One more thing. Their offensive line had somebody by the name of Andrew Whitworth. Yeah. Retire. Yeah. Does anybody know their replacement without looking it up? No. The guy by the name of Not Joe. No Joe yeah, no boom. boom. I knew that one there. Yeah. I have to know all these different <laughs> charts. <laughs> no boom. Um, uh, yeah, baby. Let's go, Joe. Uh, he's 27 years old. Their their left guard is actually listed as a left or as an offensive tackle in David Edwards. He's 25. Uh, Brian Allen, Michigan State center, 26 years old. So you got a Wisconsin and a, and a Michigan State guy right next to each other. Bobby Evans, 25 years old, and then the old man from Wisconsin, also the old man on the line, Rob Heavenstein. So you've got a very, very young group back there. You've got a, a younger left tackle back there that's not as savvy as Whitworth was. What does that do for the Rams? What does that protection look like for Matt Stafford? What's Matt Stafford going to look like when he gets hit more? Can the Cardinals get to Matt Stafford like with these pass rushers? I'm like, just thinking, can, can right. anybody get to them? like the, they were able to get to him when he was with the Lions. And remember what what Stafford looked like when he got beaten up by week 11, week 12? Dude, he was throwing errant passes left and right. Prime he, he, was throwing, he was throwing errant passes into this season, too. Remember, he mm -hmm. was throwing pick sixes, throwing errant passes. Now, the question is, what changed? And the answer is, Odo Beckham Jr. in the offense gave him more than just Cooper Cup to throw to. And right. they also had, I believe, a healthy tight end, at least with Tyler Higby, who was able Correct. to at least help carry them through there on offense and obviously at some degree like with shanahan with um with sean mcveigh you're gonna get offense at least at some point like they had jared goff and you know beating the cardinals with cj bethard at quarterback before for the most part so i think that seattle like i've always told people seattle is gonna be that team that no matter how bad they do this year it doesn't matter how bad they do i'm gonna fully believe that there's going to be like one or two franchise quarterbacks in this draft and Seattle's going to have some gritty week 17 win to get into that third spot. Like that's exactly like what Pete Carroll is going to be. Cause that's just like who he is as a coach. I think the question you want to look at is, is the Niners. And that's the thing. I think if you're looking at any team in the division, Absolutely. you're like, all right, if the Trey Lance is not all that, the Niners are in a heap of trouble. But if he is all that and is an improvement over what we saw with Jimmy Garoppolo, suddenly all of the perks that you saw with Kyler Murray over the last couple of years of being able to build would simply shift over to San Francisco, who is already a much better team. And I don't think that goes without arguing. They were in the NFC Championship game last year, seemed to be much more, I guess, secured as far as the offensive and defensive coaching staff. Talent-wise, I think that they're in a different area for the most part. It just really is going to hinge on ultimately, you know, not maybe, I mean, if George Kittle is out, maybe that changes things drastically, but that's going to be, I think the team to look for because you want to finish. I think this year either ahead of the Niners, or if you don't finish ahead of the Niners, at least make the playoffs. Cause if you fall down to the third in the division and you're behind this team, then suddenly you're going to be looking at, all right, like you need to make the playoffs, need to keep performing. 
if you start to see this Niners team take over for the most part, you start to see the Rams still continue to hang on and beat you. That's, I think, the worst case scenario for the Cards. You got to probably be at least finishing second in the division perpetually with a chance to take advantage of maybe a Stafford injury or, say, a missing Russell Wilson like we just saw this year. This is a great time for the Cardinals to take advantage and step up. If San Francisco gets in your way and surpasses you, you're going to have to look at the people running the ship and say you're going to have to beat that. And it's not quite like you're beating Bill Belichick, but in the NFC West, standards are just higher. You have to be prepared to do that if you want to win. And I said this last year, if you have aspirations to winning an NFC West specifically, you need to go minimum three and three minimum. Yeah. So you have to be able to sweep Seattle. And if you can get two games and go four and two, like we were able to do last year, you are sitting pretty in the, not necessarily the driver's seat, but definitely a driver's seat to get into the playoffs. And that's all you want. And is Debo Samuel have there? won that division last year. And that's Don't one of the things that get I me started. Regret. I know one of the things Jesus that you kind of regret. So under, like you understand some of the years of the Rams game, it was uh, almost like not necessarily inexcusable, but like you understood by the end of the season, like they just didn't have it. They were trying to prepare for next week's playoff game. Now, maybe the entire narrative for the Cardinals shifts if they're playing in Dallas Stadium and Kyler Murray's there and, you know, maybe that pass rush is the same and he takes his first loss ever. We don't know for sure, but what we do know, at least for the most part, is that the Cardinals had like a 97% chance to win the division when they started six and two that one year. They had like a 90%. So these are like definitely yes. two epic collapses in a row. You can say, hey, maybe luck is just one of those cases where suddenly this year we're like, oh, wow, all right, that was fun. Kyler beat Tom Brady on Christmas. Didn't expect that. Like, see you guys in the playoffs. Like, maybe things just even out. But it has been some very epic collapses for the most part that have been not quite but, unprecedented, but have just been kind of what people have expected. Maybe we'll have to change that narrative. Maybe a healthy D hop after you know missing the first six weeks is is a blessing in disguise, right? Maybe he comes back and he gets a thousand yards because he's pissed off. I mean, I'm not holding what would be him the back worst to case say he... D hop. Like, would you rather have D hop come back? And like not look like himself, or rather have like D Hop taken like that six game suspension. Cause like I feel like that's kind of the hard part is you're looking at next year, $30 million cap hit. He's gonna want to get his deal ripped up and get a new deal. There's gonna be a really interesting kind of area with that, especially since you've traded for Hollywood. Like I think the best case scenario, in my opinion, is you go through, just try to keep as much as you can intact as long as you can, figure it out at least for that one, maybe next year. But if Hopkins at least doesn't return to the same form that he did. Then a lot of this offense, obviously, like not that it totally breaks down, like you can get by, but you might not reach the same heights that you wanted to. And that's going to be what you're really relying on for running games in that week seven to probably week 17 part of the season. It's going to be fun. So we're going to get out of here. We went over because Blake Murphy is just an absolute Arizona Cardinals genius. And I talk a lot. (laughs) I have enjoyed all of your insight here. This is a lot that we need to uh, get into even more with everything that you said. And we're going to start seeing it come training camp. Training camp opens this week. Oh, my God. We are finally here. Preseason is right around the corner. We're going to be having the he's on fire uh fantasy football draft so blake if you want to be a part of it you let me know anybody that wants to let us know or wants to be part of it let us know it's gonna be 50 dollars for a team uh it's gonna be just a 12-man league we'll we'll even have the draft live on air it should be awful for whoever loses because i really want to give out a loser's trophy and have like pictures with them and all that kind of thing so it should be a lot of fun so join us with that as well too uh jj um leave us with something i'll play the intro after you go but leave us with something positive with the Cardinals, something you're looking forward to, just some positivity to wind this down. We'll get out of here. Well, first, I want to say thank you, Blake, for uh, joining us, uh, you know, especially going over and stuff. Uh, and thank you for giving us uh, the trademark. Uh, uh, he's on fireball. You know, uh, we're, we're definitely <laughs> going to use that going forward. But yeah. uh, uh, but going into the season, oh, well, I'll start from uh, when uh, Evan and I, we first, uh, you know, uh, started communicating with each other, starting uh, this podcast and stuff. And he asked me a question going into uh, that season uh, where I think the Cardinals uh, record-wise are going to be. And I was opti- uh, optimistic. I-, I threw out a number. I said 13 wins. I-, I saw that team having the potential for 13 wins. And we were trending towards that direction. And then, you know, push come to shove and some things happened. And we didn't uh, hit that 13-win mark. And I – Going into this season, I, I'm I still feel that confident. I'm like I think this Cardinals team can hit 13 wins plus. 
uh, as long as everything goes well and we don't get hit with the injury bus uh, again. But, you know, the death is definitely an issue. But if we start out strong, especially with how hard the, our beginning schedule is, I think uh, we're treading in the right direction. And plus, things are kind of set up. The Super Bowl is going to be out here in Glendale. We're on Hard Knocks on uh, Amazon Prime and stuff. Three years in a row, baby. Let's make it three. Let's make it three. Yeah, and Kyler Murray, that he got his bread ball. now. Uh, Hopkins, he wants a redemption. I think J.J. Watt finally wants his ring. I think Cliff wants his respect. I think this can be a offseason, uh, like just a season in general that can really change uh, how this franchise is looked at by many NFL fan bases and NFL execs. So I think uh, the Cardinals are going to have a really good season, and I have nothing but high hopes. And, like, if – the Cardinals can make it to the Super Bowl. That makes three, uh, in three Arizona, teams in a row. That makes three teams in a row uh, to make it to the Super Bowl in, in their hometown. So uh, that's what I'm praying for at this point. But again, thank you, Blake, for joining us. And uh, I'm tuning into your podcast a lot more. I've been completely shut off of, of most Cardinals stuff because just nothing was happening. Uh, you know, you yeah. guys are probably just staring at each other for. <laughs> you know, at every episode and stuff. But uh yeah, I'm definitely tuning in more and uh nice got a nice take a nice break, I think is what it was at least. You know, get on a vacation along with Steve Kaim and now it's like all right, and I get back in from vacation, get Kyler signed and get to camp. Right. Uh Blake, where can everybody find you? Find me on Twitter at Blake Murphy7. Also be on Revenge of the Birds with the podcast, as well as the website revengeofthebirds.com. All part of SB Nation. Uh, I'm obviously going to be trying to go and attend at least quite a bit at camp for some of the open practices. We're finally back this year. Get to go through a tweet through some of those areas. Um, anything we see kind of from the open practice, you know, like we'll get to report on at least this time, which is nice. Uh, most of the other reporters have not been able to comment at all parts of the practice, at least. We'll finally get to take a look at, you know, who's running first team, what are some of the different areas that they're setting up. We're finally going to be able to see, you know, the Zaven Collins experiment, be able to see him in three or four different places in the line, like, or I should say, uh, Zaven Collins slash Isaiah Simmons experiment, see them both in different areas around the place. Simmons in three places at a time. Is he going to practice with the safeties nonstop? Like, we're going to get to have all sorts of answers to some of these questions. And I can't wait to answer those on the defensive side. That is what I'm most curious about. Man, this was a lot of fun tonight. It was about time that I got my ass back on a podcast. It's been three weeks since we broke a little bit of the KD news, and then it's been six weeks since we had an official episode. That wraps it up for part two on episode 69. Nice. He's on Fire Podcast. Thanks for coming in. Later. Getting a little wobbly. But it's downfield, Jesse!